You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Well, I'm moving on out, out of Florida, headed for Arizona, where we'll stay. Moving on out, out of Florida, to a place where it's okay to say gay. AZ didn't vote for the fascists, but Florida certainly did. I know things there won't be perfect. I'm really gonna miss my kid. While we're driving cross country, there's still our shows to be done. So I'm pulling interviews you may not have heard, and I hope you listen to everyone while we're moving on out, out of Florida, to Arizona where it's hot as hell. I'll take the sauna over the steam room. To escape that Ron DeSantis fascist smell. Welcome back to day three of The Big Move. I'm Nicole Sandler, and in case you hadn't gotten the memo, we're in transit, finally moving out of Florida, headed for Arizona. And to cover the time I'll be on the road, I've assembled a bunch of interviews that you may have missed the first time around. Either way, I promise, fascinating, compelling conversations. Today, we go back to October of 2014 for a conversation with famed prosecutor Vincent Bugliosi, best known for prosecuting Charles Manson and his followers for the Tate-LaBianca murders, you know, the Helter-Skelter murders. But Bugliosi wrote quite a few books, in addition to Helter-Skelter, most dealing with famous homicide cases, including the Kennedy assassination and even O.J. Simpson. But on this occasion, we were discussing his book, The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder, and the documentary that came out of it a couple of years later, The Prosecution of an American President. At this time, I was doing my show uh, early in the day, in the morning, and on this morning, I think I remember that I woke him up with my phone call. Graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. When Nicole Sandler sits down to do her show, she's the producer, booking the guests, pulling the audio, planning the show, the engineer, running the controls, troubleshooting any problems, playing the sounds, following the guests. She's the webmaster, writing the blog, posting the podcast, maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out the bad guys. And then you get the Nicole Sandler Show on RadioOrNot.com. All right. Wow. Gee, uh, you know, uh, Helter Skelter got me all worked up and that just made me tired. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to a Tuesday. If you tuned in early for the pre-show music, uh, you you heard, well, lots of songs about murder. Yeah. Uh, and we wrapped it all up with Paul McCartney's live rendition of Helter Skelter. That is, um, well, because Vincent Bugliosi, the famed prosecutor, 
will be joining us to talk about, well, something that, that he's been working on for a long time. I've interviewed Mr. Bugliosi a number of times over the years for, for a lot of his different books. Most recently, his I think it was his last book, a book called The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. And in it, Vincent Bugliosi lays out the case for any prosecutor in the country who would like to take it up. And, and that is prosecuting, as the title suggests, George W. Bush for murder. And his contention is that the war in Iraq was done under false pretenses. He lied to the American people to get us into this illegal war. And therefore, uh, George W. Bush is guilty of the murders of some 4,500 American men and women servicemen who went over there and were killed under the guise of this illegal war. So the book was published, I want to say, around 2010 or even earlier, because let's see, Air America went off the air in January of 2010, and I uh, interviewed him for that book on Air America. And and we'll talk about how the, the difficulty he had in getting that book published. I mean, he's written numerous books on everything from, obviously, the, the Manson prosecution to um, the O.J. Simpson murders. You know, uh, I believe O.J. Simpson was guilty of murder, and so does uh, Vincent Bugliosi. Um, and, and, you know, he's never had any trouble getting any other books um, published. But this one he had a hard time with. Um, and then in 2012, and, and I wasn't even aware of this, a documentary of sorts was released, a film called uh, The Prosecution of an American President. I had no idea that this was ever a film until a couple of weeks ago when I got the press release saying that it, that, that, that film was going to be released on DVD today. So the DVD version of the prosecution of an American president is out today. And uh, because of that, Vincent Bugliosi is doing a number of interviews, uh, including here. Now, you likely won't see him on any of the big networks or cable uh, news networks or anywhere probably on your TV because there was a real media blackout around this. But make no mistake, Vincent Bugliosi lays out <laughs> just an incredible case um, why George W. Bush and his cohorts are guilty of murder. And it comes at a really fascinating time. I didn't even realize this until, oh, it was about uh, 4 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Maybe a little later. Uh, I, I couldn't sleep last night, so I came out in the living room, turned on the TV, and Rachel Maddow closed her, sh- and it was a repeat, because that's what MSNBC does overnight. Uh, at least they're not giving us lockup. You know, that's, they save the, the prison porn for the weekend. But last night, Rachel Maddow did this segment. She took us back into the Wayback Machine 10 years. 10 years ago yesterday, this happened. There are no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and there haven't been for a long time. That's not a campaign charge from Senator John Kerry. That's the conclusion of the administration's own weapons inspector, Charles Dulfer, in a voluminous report and personal testimony today. Dulfer said that Saddam Hussein has not produced WMD since 1991, the end of the first Gulf War. Dulfer did say that Saddam was eager to get back into the WMD business, but his report today flatly contradicts the president's primary reason for going to war against Iraq and the intelligence that led him to that decision. That was 10 years ago today. We got the very politically inconvenient report that everything the Bush administration had told us about why they wanted to, needed to start a war in Iraq uh, was wrong. Charles Dulfer led the hunt for Iraq's supposed weapons of mass destruction in Iraq uh, after the U.S. invasion, and he did not find those supposed weapons because those supposed weapons were not there. Or were they? There still exists on the right uh, a sort of dead-ender fringe who believe that actually Saddam Hussein really did have weapons of mass destruction. He must have. George Bush couldn't have been wrong about that. I say it's a dead-ender fringe because even President Bush had to admit that he was wrong about that. So look, I did, part of the reason we went into Iraq uh, was, uh, the main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't. 
even George W. Bush had to admit he was wrong about weapons of mass destruction. Iraq did not have them. But today, on the 10-year anniversary of that being proven in the official U.S. government report on that subject. Wait till you hear this. I, I, I just have to jump in here and say this is unbelievable. Although, you know, nothing is unbelievable anymore. All right. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Rachel. Today, have you met the Republican U.S. Senate candidate from Iowa? Uh, her name is Joni Ernst. She's running neck and neck with Democrat Bruce Braley for the U.S. Senate seat in Iowa this year. And Joni Ernst, in addition to many other amazing things about her, Joni Ernst says she has secret information. Yeah. That, in fact, Saddam did have the weapons. She knows. Secret, really? Personally. Somehow. Uh-oh. Really? I have reason to believe there was um, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. What is that reason? What what? I will tell you, my husband served in Saudi Arabia as the Army Central Command Sergeant oh. Major for a year. For a year? He served in and Saudi that's, Arabia? that's a hot-button topic in that area. And that's a hot-button topic. We are four weeks out from the elections this year. Area. It is 10 years today since our own <laughs> government officially admitted that the whole WMDs thing about Iraq was a lie. It's not like an accusation that it was a lie. It's a lie. We've admitted it was a lie. But apparently, it's not such a big lie that it keeps you out of the running for a United States Senate seat in 2014. I guess. I guess. Really, Iowa? It's not a problem? Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. (laughs) Nope, no weapons over there. (laughs) Maybe under here. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's 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 pretty stunning. Um, in fact, after uh, you know that that report ten years ago came out, uh, George W. Bush still insisted that um, he had done nothing wrong. Your words. No one was more sickened or angry than I was when we didn't find weapons of mass destruction. You still have a sickening feeling. I do. When you think about it. I do. Was there ever any consideration of apologizing? to the American people? I mean, apologizing would basically say the decision was a wrong decision. And I, I, I don't believe it was a wrong decision. If you knew then yeah. what you know now, that's right. you would still go to war yeah. in Iraq. I, uh, first of all, I didn't have that luxury. You just don't have the luxury when you're president. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, think, I think Vincent Bugliosi will refute he just didn't know that. Because he knew that. The evidence tells us he knew that. I sat here last night and got sickened all over again. Boy, watching that film took me back to um, just such a just a, a horrible time. And when you look at what's happening today, and you look at how, you know, Fox and, and the, that ilk is blaming Obama for everything, you realize, no, none of this would be happening today if not for that man. If not for his lies, if not for his murder of at least 4,500 Americans and countless Iraqis, the graphic that's up on the YouTube uh, screen, if you go to like the live broadcast and chat page at RadioOrNot.com, you'll see a picture of Albert Einstein and a quote. And the quote is, it is my conviction that killing under the cloak of war is nothing but an act of murder. That's Albert Einstein. But Vincent Bugliosi, in both the book... The prosecution of George W. Bush for murder and in this film that has lots of actualities. It takes you back there with all of them from Bush to uh, Darth Cheney to Condoleezza Rice and Donald Rumsfeld and the rest of them all lying. I think it's important that people watch it so that we don't forget, but be prepared to be really sickened and really depressed. And remember, it all comes back. We had Bush admit that that, that Dolfer report comes out, no WMD in Iraq. And, and so then, you know, Bush says, well, you know, Saddam is a bad guy anyway. We needed to go in and do this bullshit. But what's really dangerous is you have this woman who's polling ahead of Bruce Braley in Iowa, Joni Ernst. She's the, the hog castrating woman. And... She said this. I have reason to believe there was um, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. What is that reason? What, what I will tell you, my husband served in Saudi Arabia as the Army Central Command Sergeant Major for a year. And that's, that's a hot-button topic in that area. 
you know, I actually edited the Rachel piece because she goes, oh, yeah, that's a hot button topic in that area. And then she sort of stumbled over her words and didn't finish the thought. Really? Her husband served in Saudi Arabia for a year. So he knows there actually were weapons of mass destruction. No, actually, when you watch the film, and again, I'll have a link. If you if you want to buy the DVD, the DVD's out today. Please use the Amazon link at RadioOrNot.com so I get a little, you know, commission. I'll put up a link on the blog, you know, after the show today so uh, to make it easier for you. Um, but, boy, it's all laid out there for you. Vincent Bugliosi, probably one of the best American prosecutors ever, he lays out the case. And still... All these years after the original book was written, not a single prosecutor has taken him up. A town in Vermont, Brattleboro, Vermont, actually passed uh, a resolution that holds Bush and Cheney accountable. So neither one of them can set foot in in Brattleboro, Vermont, or they'll be arrested. This is about as far as it goes. All right, we're going to get back to this. Uh, Again, Vincent Bugliosi will be on with us in about 15 minutes. But America is still in the throes of... Ebola fever! I caught it in thy ear and it made me ill. Now there ain't no cure and there ain't no pill for Ebola. Ebola, Ebola. The doctor says I'm sick and I won't last long, but at least I'll survive till the end of the song. It's Ebola. Yeah, I know. Uh, Funny or not, depending on your point of view. We can't go without our daily spotlight on Ebola. Uh, We usually don't have clips from Michael Savage. Boy, what a heinous human being he is. Uh, But, you know, there's a first time for everything, I suppose. Moses in the desert. I go back to the desert. They wanted to see who the lepers were. Why? They didn't want to hurt the leper, but they didn't want the rest of the tribe to become leprous. So they did a careful differential diagnosis, and in those days, they put the leper out into the into the desert. Of course, we don't do that now. Now we go out in the world and look for the lepers and bring them into our cities and schools and hospitals. Because that's the way to make things fair and equitable. What? You can't have a nation with such good health in a world with such sickness. Obama wants equality. He wants fairness. And it's only fair that America have a nice epidemic or two or three or four in order to really feel what it's like to be in the third world. You have to understand, you have to look at it from the point of view of a, of a, of a leftist. <laughs> so, so there's uh, Michael Weiner saying that, uh, oh, Obama's bringing Ebola here so that um, the U.S. can become a third world nation. No, we're already doing that on our own. Thank you very much. Uh, then there was the expert that Megyn Kelly brought on from PJ Media. And now new questions are being raised about why the administration isn't doing more to prevent a potential outbreak of a disease that has killed over 3,000 people in West Africa. Just yesterday, the CDC director rejected the idea of imposing a travel ban on countries hit with the virus, calling the solution quick and simple and wrong. Jay Christian Adams is a former DOJ attorney and legal editor for PJ Media. So wait a minute. Now let me tell you who Jay Christian Adams really is. He is. um, Let's see. Jay Christian Adams, the author of Injustice: Exposing the Racial Agenda of the Obama Justice Department, and another book, Ten Reasons to Impeach Eric Holder. All right. So yeah, he's your Ebola expert. Right. And and he goes on. I'm not even going to play this because it's just insulting. But he goes on to tell you that Ebola can be transmitted even uh, through people who have no symptoms. She said, well, that's not what they say. And he said, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Once again, who um, who do we turn to to find out the best coverage of the Ebola crisis in America? Take it away, Stephen. This isn't going to be easy to say, but I want to issue a rare correction. You see, last week I broke the story that you would soon be dead. Turns out that you are not, and for that I apologize. Because as we all know, Ebola has reached America. But ever since the first case was identified, the CDC has stepped in to isolate the virus, monitor everyone at risk, and contain any chance of further infection. You can sleep soundly. There will be no Ebola outbreak in the United States is what they want you to believe. Jim, are Americans being told the truth about the threat 
of this very deadly disease. I heard the CDC chief say, ain't going to happen here. I heard the hospital say, don't worry, we have this under control. I'm not sure we can trust anyone. An emergency room physician says the CDC is lying. They've been downplaying this from the very beginning. I don't think Americans are going to just sit back and go, it's cool, the government's got it taken care of, because I don't believe the government's got it taken care of. The CDC, the Centers for Denial and Confusion, are downplaying the dangers to Americans almost to the point of lying to them. Yes, the CDC, the Coalition for Deception and Coercion, is lying. They want you to believe that they've got this under control, but look at their track record. Back in the 1990s, they let that infected monkey from Outbreak escape. Then he shared an ice cream cone with Ross from Friends. And now, Gwyneth Paltrow is dead. So I don't trust. So I don't trust the CDC or Coven of Deviants and Charlatans. I listen to TV pundits because we treat everything like it's the end of the world. White House spokesman Josh Ernest says that screening procedures are in place at our border and people are screened as soon as they get here. Really? You're kidding, right? What's that? You're saying that because you don't want people to panic? You don't want us to panic. How about I don't want us to die? Yeah! Yeah! Obama <laughs> wants you to line up a for a calm and orderly death. What's that? What's that you're saying? This is my death ear? And, and nobody's talking? Then why am I hearing voices? Is that because of Ebola? What's that? It's an unrelated mental disorder? All right then. As long as I don't catch whatever paralyzed her eyebrows. The point is... No bad. The point is the federal government is incompetent. We simply can't trust them to contain Ebola. It should be left up to the states. And my home state of South Carolina already has a potential plan to eradicate this virus. As former executive director of the South Carolina GOP and current middle school debate club treasurer, Tom Kin Cannon tweeted, the protocol for a positive Ebola test should be immediate humane execution and sanitization of the whole area. That will save lives. Finally, mm. a way to save lives. Humanely execute the victim. <laughs> of course, the shotgun blast to his chest could spread some bodily fluids, so... To be saved, someone will have to compassionately murder whoever executed the patient. And that person, of course, will have to be sensitively bludgeoned to death by a fourth person and so on and so on and until the chain of humane homicide makes it back to whoever's wonderful idea this was. Stephen Colbert. You know what? I'm so going to miss him when his show ends. I really am. Because when he goes to CBS, it's going to be a different show. He's not going to be that Stephen Colbert. It's funny because today I went, you know, went looking for this clip. Um, you know, this Those one. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs> nope, no weapons over there. Maybe under here. You know, so not funny. Um, but what was funny was Stephen Colbert's um, stint hosting the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I came across that again. Maybe uh, when we do a, a salute to Stephen Colbert when he leaves his Comedy Central show, we'll we'll pull some of that out and relive that. We got a couple more months anyway. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side uh, with Vincent Bugliosi, whose uh, book. The prosecution of George W. Bush for murder was made into a film two years ago. Gee, wonder why we didn't see it. Uh, and today it's released as a DVD. Um, I'll put up a link should you care to purchase it. I hope you'll buy it through the Amazon portal uh, at RadioOrNot.com. Um, but uh, Vincent Bugliosi will join us next. Oh, boy. It's going to take you back. But things we need to remember because... Uh, um, History tends to repeat itself, you know? All right, so stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Nicole Sandler. It is radio or not. Marriott wants you, the customer, to help pay its low-wage workers. Hear about this scheme today on Hightower Radio. As an old popular song asks, what do you get if you work your fingers right down to the bone? 
bony fingers. As housekeepers in the sprawling Marriott chain of hotels know, that's more than a cute lyric, it's the truth. These room attendants, as they're called, are paid barely $8 an hour to perform a very hard physical job, suffering the highest injury rate in the so-called hospitality industry. Some two-thirds of them have to take pain medication just to get through their day of heaving 100-pound mattresses, stooping to clean floors, and twisting to readjust furniture in 15 to 20 rooms per shift. Yet, Marriott's CEO publicly hails the very women he exploits as, quote, the heart of the house, saying his chain likes to express its appreciation to them with, quote, special recognition events during International Housekeepers Week. Yes, exploited room attendants are not rewarded with a living wage, but with a congratulatory week. How great is that? This year, Housekeeper Week came with a new tipping initiative, a scheme created by multimillionaire Maria Shriver, urging Marriott's customers, quote, to express their gratitude by leaving tips and notes of thanks for hotel room attendants. Shriver says she hopes the voluntary tips, quote, will make these women feel validated. Is that sweet or what? Does she at least urge that this tip be the standard 15 to 20 percent we give at restaurants? No, one to five bucks per night stay is recommended. Let's see, at about $250 a day for a Marriott room, even $5 is a sad 2% expression of gratitude. As for customers leaving a little thank you note, imagine trying to buy a bologna sandwich with that. This is Jim Hightower saying, how about this? Instead of paying $9 million a year to Marriott's CEO, make him rely on customer tips and see how validated he feels. If you'd like more of Jim Hightower's real populism, check out the Hightower Lowdown. Jim's monthly newsletter gives you the real lowdown on which corporations, by name, are doing what to the middle class, our environment, and our democracy. Each month, the Hightower Lowdown brings you facts you didn't know, along with actions you can take to fight back. It also comes with a sense of humor. Hightower believes we can fight the gods and still have fun. Plus, get this, it's cheap. Only $15 brings you 12 issues a year. For real populism, go to HightowerLowdown.org. The next time, they're going to be looking at you. And you're going to need a lot of information to know what you're going to want to do. Blind faith in your leaders or in anything will get you killed. Questioning Authority Daily. The Nicole Sandler Show on RadioOrNot.com. The Iraqi regime continues to possess and conceal some of the most lethal weapons ever devised. There is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein has biological weapons and the capability to rapidly produce more. Saddam Hussein has biological weapons program and the means to deliver those weapons. In the not-too-distant future, he will acquire nuclear weapons. We do know that he is actively pursuing uh, a nuclear weapon. Any country on the face of the earth with an active intelligence program knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. Uh, do we need to play a song? Oh, this one. Yeah, you know, it was lies that got us into uh, the war on Iraq, and that 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 just you know uh, steamrolled into uh, what we're seeing today. You know, and, and of course, the best one of all. Iraq has a growing fleet of manned and unmanned aerial vehicles that could be used to disperse chemical or biological weapons across broad areas. We're concerned that Iraq is exploring ways of using these UAVs for missions targeting the United States. Saddam Hussein has held numerous meetings with Iraqi nuclear scientists. Nuclear. A group he calls his nuclear mujahideen, his nuclear holy warriors. It's amazing. He can pronounce mujahideen, but he can't pronounce nuclear? Facing clear evidence of peril, we cannot wait for the final proof, the smoking gun that could come in the form of a mushroom cloud. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Um, uh himself. Uh, George W. Bush never knew a lie, uh, you know, <laughs> that that he didn't love. Um, for whatever reason, and that's the one thing um, that, uh, uh, you know, that Vincent Bugliosi does not lay out perfectly for us. 
in the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder, the book, and in the film, the reason why and why uh, why would um, uh, uh, why would uh, George W. Bush do this? Uh, but as uh, Vincent Bugliosi points out in in the book and in the film, um, to successfully prosecute a case, a murder case, you don't really have to uh, have a motive. We don't have to know exactly what the motive is. Um, there have been many uh, murder convictions hanging down, even though we didn't know for sure what the mur- what the motive was. Uh, whatever the reason, um, uh, Vincent Bugliosi lays out the case beautifully for us, and I believe we've got him on the phone now. Uh, Vincent Bugliosi, are you with us? Are we on live? Yeah, we are on live. <laughs> Is oh, that okay? okay? Is that all right? Well, yeah, it, it's okay. Is that uh, the schedule she sent me says seven uh, thirty p.m. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's she's been consistently. Uh, uh. Consistently doing doing that. Oh no, that, that's, that's not your problem. Okay. So I'm so, is this okay? Can we chat now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do it. I can I can get up. Uh, oh, did, oh, we woke I you. Like, give me a cup oh. of coffee. Dale? Oh, bye. <laughs> Nothing like live radio. Uh, but, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we we can go. Okay. You know I have a. Uh, a DVD out oh, now. I've been talking uh, about it. Uh, I just played a clip, the opening montage. Um, uh, actually, sir, you and I spoke back when the book was first published, the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder at that time. Yeah. At yeah, that time, and, and the, yeah, Air America the Radio. is based on that. Right. The is based on that, but, but the title's been changed to the prosecution of an American president. You know? Yes. But it's the same same book. Right. And in fact, the, the beautiful, I mean, the book was great and uh, I, I enjoyed reading it and, and uh, we, you and I spoke a, a couple of times, I think, about it. Yeah, um, sure. There were a few problems with, um, uh, you, had, you had trouble getting the book published. And then once it was published, uh, you would think, I mean, people know your name. You're a famed prosecutor, probably the most famous prosecutor in the country. And yet uh, you had trouble getting booked on TV shows and, and national broadcasts, yeah. right? Yeah, my uh, New York publicist said that uh, in 30 years she's never seen a book blacked out like this. In fact, the New York Times did do a big article, but it wasn't on the book per se. Mm-hmm. The article was, how come this book is a New York Times bestseller when it's being blacked out everywhere? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the, the reason I, is, is that I was on alternative radio, and, and, I, and, and I have a certain readership, and I was getting good... Uh, uh, word of mouth, but yeah, I had a tough time getting the book published. Usually, I just tell my publisher I'm going to do a book, and 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 that's it. There there there's no discussion, and and we sign a contract. This time, the publisher wouldn't do it, and I had to fly back east and knock on doors, and uh, everyone was terrified of it. One publisher said too hot to handle. Another mm-hmm. one said. Mr. Bugliosi, are you sure you want to do this book? <laughs> anyway, I finally found a courageous. Uh, uh, publisher and got the book published, but once I got it published, I couldn't get on any mainstream uh, shows. Uh, and then uh, the audio. Uh, you're you're Nicole, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. The uh, the audio Nicole on all my other books was an automatic. My agent would simply tell me uh, we're with so and so. This time he called me and he said, I can't get any audio company in America to do it. So we got the BBC to do it. Uh, the documentary that, that just came out, uh, we couldn't raise a dime in America, so the money had to come in from Canada. You know, it's, it's amazing when you stop to think about it that uh, Clinton... Uh, the star went after him uh, with a ferocious uh, uh, temper, and uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, uh, for having consensual sex and lying about right. it, uh, and ended up getting impeached. Bush takes the nation to war on a lie, and I hope we'll have time to get into that, oh. some of the evidence against oh, him. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah. That's what anyway, I want to do. Right. Uh, not only wasn't there any impeachment, uh, uh, not only was there no investigation, no one even wanted to talk about it. Uh, uh, and, and I think that shows the difference between uh, the right wing and the Democratic Party. The 
the Democratic Party is terrified of the right wing. It's just, just terrified. The right wing has no no fear uh, of the Democratic no. Party. So these people, these Democrats, uh, didn't want to have me on because they they felt they were going to be savaged by the right wing. But anyway, the book got out there. It became a bestseller, and now we have the um, the documentary. And uh, everyone that's seen it, uh, it's extremely powerful. They were surprised at the power of it. Oh, it really you is. You, to watch oh, the whole I, thing? I did. I watched the whole thing last night, and I'll tell you, it 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 hit me in a number of ways. One is. It, 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 I mean, it's very powerful because you lay out the evidence and we have the actual video and the audio of all the, um, you know, Bush and his, his uh, you know, uh, a complicit fellow administration members from uh, Darth Cheney to Condoleezza Rice to Donald Rumsfeld, all, you know, going along with his lies. Um, we, we see it all there and it brings back so many horrible memories and especially when you look at what's going on today you realize that if he had been stopped back then it would be a different world right now we wouldn't be dealing with half the mess we're dealing with absolutely this uh isis thing you know that goes back to george bush sure uh isis the members of ISIS were originally the members of Al-Qaeda in Iraq. Which that wasn't was there, right, which didn't exist and, before uh, we invaded Iraq, right? Yeah, there I was don't. no such thing. Well, not not before. It, right. It, it, uh, Al-Qaeda in Iraq started after the invasion. That's right. And ISIS was a part of that. It's hard to find any humor out of the situation, but one humorous thing is that Al-Qaeda actually ended up getting rid of ISIS the ISIS members because they were too brutal for Al-Qaeda. I right. mean, how brutal yeah. do you have to be for Al-Qaeda? You follow? I follow. And, uh, uh, but the, these monsters... And anyway, today, uh, today, now and then, it's in the, the, um, the media that this all started with the war, but no one is condemning Bush at all. He's uh, painting and smiling and enjoying life as always. But one thing that no one has mentioned that I've seen, at least not in the New York Times and the L.A. Times, and I'd like to mention it now. No one <clears throat> seems to be mentioning the fact that before Bush, for whom I have an enormous animus, uh, before Bush invaded Iraq, Iraq actually was a peaceful nation. Now, Hussein was a brutal dictator. There's no way of getting around that. But what type of a dictator was he? He was not a, a Hitler or a Stalin or an Edie. I mean, he wasn't going around killing people. He killed people, a lot of them, who tried to rise up against him, like the, the, the Shiites in 1991 right. after the Persian Gulf War. But if you minded your own business, uh, it was a peaceful country. If you were a Christian, you went to a Christian church. I don't have to tell you, Nicole, what they're doing to Christians now. Oh, they're, no. they're, they're murdering them. They're burning down their churches. Uh, uh, they're telling them, either you become a Muslim or we're going to uh, uh, decapitate you. you. Right. Yeah. If you were a, a gay under Hussein, you went to a gay bar at night. If, if, if you were a woman and you wanted to become a doctor or a lawyer, you went to one of the finest universities in the Mideast, University of Baghdad, and you became a doctor or a lawyer, and you went to work in a skirt. Right. You didn't have to wear uh, a robe. Well, yeah, it uh, was a secular nation before yeah, right. we went that, in. That's the word that sums up everything. That's right. It, it, was, a, uh, it was a secular nation. Uh, I'll never forget the day, actually it was the night, uh, before the invasion. The networks were in Baghdad interviewing people out in the street, and, and um, it was either close to midnight or right after, and the people were out in the street, and they were fearful uh, of what was going to happen, but they were eating ice cream cones, you know. It was safe. It was safe. The mm -hmm. Sunnis and the Shiites got along. Uh, they probably didn't like each other, but they got along because they had to get along. If they didn't, uh, Hussein would have killed them, you follow? Yep. So if if you if you minded your own business, it was a peaceful nation, and this monstrous George Bush invaded the country without any justification. Hussein was as much of an imminent threat to security to this country, Nicole, as you or I, yep. or an aunt of mine who lives up in Minnesota. <laughs> right. And uh, the number of American soldiers who died <clears throat> during the war. Um, 4,500 people, young men. Americans. Had, These are yeah, Americans. Had, had a chance to live out their lives, young American soldiers. 
and they're in their cold graves right now, decomposing, and Bush is still eating his uh, hot dogs. Right, and, and painting pie. his pictures. And, and You know, Vincent Bullios, one of the more powerful moments in, in the film is you're, you're interviewing a woman who lost her son, and there are a number of those moments through, <clears throat> throughout oh, the yeah, film. Yeah, and she, yeah. she points the finger, and she said, George W., you know, you, somebody asked, well, do you blame the Iraqi soldiers who killed your son. She said, no, I don't blame them. It's George W. Bush. He is guilty of murdering my son. And that's yeah, what this he, is about. And you, yeah. uh, as a prosecutor, you lay out the case. You did it in the book, and, and you do it uh, just eloquently in this film for any prosecutor in the country because there are, and you show on a map, you know, where Americans were killed in this unjust war. Um, and, right. and in any of those jurisdictions, a prosecutor could file this, could could prosecute uh, yeah, George any, W. Bush. Any, any state that had citizens who died in the Iraq war, now that, right. that gets into the complicated issue of jurisdiction. And uh, I touch on it in the main text, but in the end note, I have a thorough discussion that uh, there would be jurisdiction in any state where uh, citizens died in the Iraq war. It's called the effects doctrine. The effects doctrine, if I can summarize it in, in a couple words, mm -hmm. if, some, if some crime occurs outside the geographical perimeters of a state, but it has a very injurious effect on the people of a state, that state has jurisdiction. And certainly when you lose your your own citizens to war and right. they're killed. It doesn't get any more serious than that. And I have all types of authority um, uh, uh, for that. But but Bush has led a charmed life. And uh, I don't know if you know that I, I sent out um, a copy of the book with a cover letter to 2,250 prosecutors around the country. And, yep. and they were all terrified. But one called, I wasn't in, and uh, spoke to my wife, and he said, I got the book. He said, I already had a copy of it. It's brilliant. I want to talk to Mr. Bugliosi. <clears throat> so I nurtured him for quite a while, and finally we got to the point, I never asked him flat out, you know, are you going to uh, prosecute, but uh, he had a lot of interest. He was going to spend six days with me at my home in L.A., and I don't know if uh, if you know, but I almost I almost died two years ago. I had a septic shock. Oh, no. And now I have to go to dialysis three days a week. So oh, I, I still haven't given up on the hope of prosecuting uh, George Bush. And and you may know this, that there was an attorney general candidate in the state of, uh, of Vermont, whom I campaigned for, uh, who called a press conference with me saying that if she won, she was going to appoint me special prosecutor to wow. go after Bush. Wow. Bush, uh, Cheney, and Rice seek a, an indictment for first-degree murder. She lost to the incumbent. So I, I did get some some response, but uh, basically everyone was just terrified, Nicole. And, and that and that says something. Look, this administration came in, and even before they came in, uh, you had Nancy Pelosi when she took over as Speaker of the House. Her first yeah. thing she said, even before she took over, was impeachment is off the table, which uh, pissed a lot that. of people I mean, off. Un unbelievable, then, unbelievable. Then what? President Obama comes in and says, well, we're going to look forward, not backward. Look, yeah. uh, when I criticize Eric Holder, which I do, uh, it's for two major issues. One is he didn't prosecute any of the banksters who crashed you know, killed the economy. Course, and two, he didn't prosecute the prior administration for lying us into war or following your lead. You've laid out the case. Uh, yeah, prosecute. I testified before Congress, you know. I, yeah. So, are you aware so, of that? I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the film at the end. You, 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 I must you may have, not watch. I, yeah, I, I no, I testified before Congress, and I, uh, I asked Congress to refer the case to the Department of Justice uh, to commence an investigation. Under the Constitution, Bush had immunity from prosecution while he was president. Right. But under the Constitution, it goes all the way back to the Federalist Papers, uh, once he leaves office, he can be prosecuted. So I said, you can commence the investigation now. Once he leaves office, we can hit the ground running. Of course, they didn't do it. They didn't refer it. But, but uh, Clinton has consensual sex right. and lies about it. And they impeached him, and they weren't even happy with that. If they had a chance, they would have hung him in the town square at noontime. Of course. So Bush, Bush, Bush has gotten where, uh, uh, gotten away with murder. And uh, so, if you have some time, yes, let, let's go into just a couple pieces of the evidence. Please. So, yes, why is it murder? Again, I mean, they took us into a war. 
Uh, is it the fact that every reason they gave to bring us into war was a lie? Well, they really only gave one reason. Uh, they did come up, once they found no um, weapons of mass destruction, they came up with this argument that uh, Bush was trying to instill democracy in Iraq, and, right. you know, it was spread like April flowers throughout the Mideast. Yeah. Uh, that was not uh, a reason for going to war. It was, it was weapons of mass destruction. He's an imminent threat to security of this country. Right. And uh, uh, as it turned out, they had no weapons of mass destruction. Anyway, here, here, here's where here, here's where the, the the crime comes in in the deliberate deception to the American people. I think the evidence is extremely powerful that Bush uh, took the nation to war under false pretenses, and therefore, under the law, which I establish in the book and in the documentary, is guilty of murder for the deaths of over uh, 4,500 young American soldiers. Now, the number of innocent Iraqi men, women, children, and babies who, who died. It's fluctuated, Nicole. You hear a hundred, you hear a million. Yep. But it seems to be focused now on around 500,000 innocent Iraqi men, oh. women, children, and babies. Goodness. There's no jurisdiction uh, to prosecute them for that. Now, these are the two lies that Bush told. Uh, the first lie he told is that Hussein was an imminent threat yep. uh, to the security of this country. Right. The second lie he took was a much more indirect one, but it was just as strong and just as powerful. By his pronouncements, by constantly talking about 9-11 and connecting it in the very same sentence yep. with imminent threat, he led the American people to believe that Hussein was involved in 9-11. And there's no evidence of that whatsoever. The 9-11 uh, Commission, the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, nothing, not a speck of evidence that right. Hussein had nothing. No, in fact, you point out in the film that before we invaded Iraq, it was, you know, like, you know, 2% of the Amer I don't remember the exact numbers, but a yeah. very low uh, very percentage low. of Americans thought that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9-11. And then afterwards, sure. and to this day... It's the right. numbers are much, much, much higher, and it's and you have a whole montage of you know statements from the administration of people you know saying nine eleven along with Saddam Hussein along with Iraq over and over and over again. It's oh, of course, the power of course, of course, of course. Let's let's get into the hard evidence okay. uh, on the first lie that Hussein was an imminent threat on October the first, two thousand and two. <clears throat> the CIA sent to the White House. It's classified, top-secret, national intelligence estimate, which consisted of 16 federal intelligence uh, agencies. Uh, and that was a report on Iraq. The report uh, said on page 8 that Iraq was not an imminent threat to the security of this country, that it would only use its weapons of mass destruction, which we found out and never even had, right. but it would only do so... If Iraq felt that uh, it was in imminent danger of an attack on them by us, unbelievably, and there's no other word to describe it, just six days later in Cincinnati, Bush's first speech to the nation on Iraq, October 7th, uh, he told millions of unsuspecting Americans the exact opposite of what his own CIA was telling him. Bush said that Hussein was, quote, a great danger to our nation, unquote. He said that uh, uh, Hussein could either attack us or give the weapons of mass destruction to some group, some terrorist group to attack us. And he said this could happen, quote, on any given day, unquote, meaning the threat uh, was imminent. Now, that alone... <laughs> Is, is, is almost enough all by itself to show he took the nation to war and a lie. But it gets mm -hmm. much worse than that. Mm -hmm. The classified IE, NIE report, as I said, October 1st. On October the 4th, three days later, the Bush administration issued a declassified version of this report, one they could issue to Congress and the American people just one week before Congress voted on whether there should be a resolution to go to war. Yep. And in the declassified version, it, it came to be known as the White Paper, the CIA's conclusion that Hussein was not an imminent threat to security this country was completely deleted. Right. It wasn't even blacked out. It was just taken out. It was just completely gone. deleted from the White Paper. Amazing. So Congress and the American people never saw any of this. 
And I don't think it gets any worse than that. So we know, not think, but know that Bush and his people, like like Cheney and and Karl Rove and and Condoleezza Rice, uh, took the nation to war and over 500,000 precious human beings are in their grave, and yet nothing uh, is being done about that. Now let's go to Bush himself and look at some words that came out of his own mouth that's totally consistent with this, that he knew Hussein was not an imminent threat. Uh, and this is another piece of extremely strong evidence. On January the 31st, 2003, that's less than two months before Bush ordered the invasion of, of Iraq, uh, on the rationale that Hussein had, had weapons of mass destruction and was an imminent threat. Bush and British Prime Minister Tony Blair met in the Oval Office with six of their top aides including Blair's chief foreign policy advisor, David Manning. After the meeting, Manning prepared a five-page memo stamped extremely sensitive, summarizing what was said at the meeting. Among other things, he wrote that Bush was so worried about the failure of the U.N. inspectors to find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that he said Bush talked about three possible ways, Manning wrote, to, quote, provoke a confrontation, unquote, with Hussein. One of which, Bush said, Nicole, was to, quote, fly CIA U-2 reconnaissance aircraft over Iraq, painted in United Nations colors. And Bush said, according to the memo, if Hussein fired on them, he said uh, we'd have an opportunity. It would be a violation of UN resolution. We'd have an opportunity then that would justify uh, invading uh, Iraq. So mm-hmm. Bush is telling the American people, Nicole, that Hussein is an imminent threat to the security of this country. So we had a strike first in self-defense. Right. But behind closed doors, uh, this small man was talking about how to provoke Hussein into a war. And I don't have to tell you that the last person in the world whom someone acting in self-defense would try to provoke is a person he's in deathly fear of, the person who's about to kill him. Right. Uh, If Bush honestly believed that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country, which was the main reason he gave the American people going to war, the thought of trying to provoke Hussein into a war obviously would never, ever, ever have entered his mind. Uh, this alone again shows, and, and, and these are just two very, very powerful, strong pieces of evidence, but there's all types of evidence that I point out in the documentary in the book that unequivocally point in the direction that he deliberately took the nation to war uh, on a lie, and I don't know if you, if you remember, because it's several years ago, but after that invasion, we lost more respect in the world than oh, yeah. we'd ever, ever had oh, before. Of the people in Europe were more opposed to what he did uh, than, than we were over here. There were 500,000 people in London, a million in Rome, out on the street protesting. So to get back our respect and let the people know that this was not America who did this. This was George Bush's America. And also to deter, Nicole, future presidents. Uh, you know, if, if he got by with it, that just emboldens other exactly. presidents. If they knew what happened to Bush, they may think twice before they take us to another uh, war under false right. pretenses. Right, but, but here we are, and, and so now fast forward, it's 2014, uh, because of what Bush, Cheney, and their cabal did, we're in this mess today, and and who do the cable news shows bring on to ask advice? Dick Cheney? I mean, oh, Donald geez. Rumsfeld? <clears throat> These people are now being brought out as experts? Yeah, experts on getting us into wars that we shouldn't be involved in. It's really stunning. Um, that's why it's so important that I'm so glad that this movie is out on DVD. Today is its release date. Uh, it is the prosecution of an American president. And, and I got to say, so the film came out two years ago. Uh, and I never even knew that there was a movie until yeah. I saw the DVD was coming out. I'm sure the same problems arose as did when you were oh, yeah, published the yeah. book. We, 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 we couldn't get in there. Everyone is just terrified of, of, of the right wing in America. Why are they terrified of the right wing? Because 
these are bad people, the right wing. It's no longer the Republican Party. You know, the Republican Party, they've always been, obviously, for the rich. Everyone mm -hmm. knows that. But they had a sense of noblesse oblige. I'm talking about people like Eisenhower, you know, uh, even Nixon, actually. Uh, and possibly the first uh, Bush, but now the uh, the party has gone so far to the right that, uh, in my opinion, uh, the, these are not people that are honorable. Uh, it, it, it's all far to the right. There, there is no moderate Republican Party in America anymore. Uh, so, Vincent Bugliosi, we've only got about a minute left. Question okay. from the chat room. Is there a, a, can Bush and Cheney go out of the country or will they be arrested? I know that there are places that, that I, I think there are warrants out for them. You, you spotlight the town of, um, uh, in Ver Brattleboro, Vermont. Uh, but what about the rest of the world? Yeah, well, Brattlesboro, uh, uh, they, they had the wrong idea. They thought the city right. attorney there who yeah, has jurisdiction over this can. Right. Um, yeah, there are certain countries in the world. You know, it, it's very curious that you ask that question because uh, Bush, right around the time this happened, uh, the Iraq War, uh, shortly thereafter, he bought a lot of property in Paraguay. Now, Paraguay has no extradition huh. treaty with the United huh. States. Uh, most uh, industrialized nations do. Uh, it may not have had anything to do with his planning to take off if someone if someone came after him, but he did buy a lot of property in Paraguay. Uh, but most countries, we could extradite them. This is something that can be done. At, at this stage of my career, Nicole, I don't have time for fanciful reveries. You know, if I if I didn't think there was a sound legal basis for what I did. Uh, obviously, I would not have written the book and, sure. uh, and did the DVD. And uh, hopefully, it's not too late. There's no statute of limitations for murder. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, there will be a, an attorney general or a deputy DA. Uh, you know, you were talking about... Eric uh, Holder. Uh, yeah, you, you, you were talking about uh, uh, Obama saying yeah. he didn't uh, want to look, look backwards. Right. What he calls looking backwards, I call justice. Every criminal prosecution, Nicole, without exception, is for past criminal behavior. I mean, That's you can't right. prosecute, you future can't prosecute crime. someone right. for what they might do in That's the future. Right. You know what That's I mean? That's right. So this nonsensical thing, we don't want to look backwards. He's saying, uh, I, I, I have no concern about justice. I, I want to assure your audience, because many people have said, Mr. Pagliosi, you're just spinning your wheels here. If you were to get an indictment, Obama would throw it out. It depends where the indictment came from. If it came from a, a uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, the federal jurisdiction, he could grant parole. Not 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 parole. Uh, what's the word? Um, not parole. Uh, uh, clemency. No, 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 no. It's it's close to clemency. Uh, I don't know why. Probation or, or uh, I don't know. No, 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 no. Uh, um, you 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 uh, eliminate. The charges. It's not probation. A pardon. Or parole. Pardon. Huh? Pardon? He'd pardon? Pardon. 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 Yeah. yeah. See, it's early in the morning. I, just I know. I know you I did. He I... could pardon. Right. But if the indictment comes out of a state, the state attorney general's office or one of the DAs around the country, mm -hmm. he would not have the power under the Constitution to to grant a pardon. Uh -huh. So I, I want your audience to know that this is a very real thing here. And I'm going to uh, continue to pursue it as long as I can, although I have uh, dialysis three days a week. But oh. I'm, I'm looking for a prosecutor now that's got the courage uh, to do this, and there aren't too many to do. Right. Well, any. I hope someone will step up. I, I hope everyone uh, goes gets uh, the prosecution of an American president. Uh, it is out on DVD today. It will take you back. It will make you angry, and maybe it'll light a fire under someone. Uh, to bring justice and, and set things as right as they can be set. As you say, we can't bring back all the lives that were lost. But these people right. need to be held accountable. And the rest of the world needs to know that we have not forgotten about this and that it's not okay. Uh, yes, Vincent yes. Bugliosi, you are a national treasure. I, I, I thank you so oh, much. You're you. such a good sport. Didn't mean to wake you up. Uh, no, really no, no, appreciate no, no, no. you. If, 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 this girl, she's a nice girl, <laughs> but she's new and she I got messes you. everything up. Uh, I Nicole, hear you. it's always a privilege and an honor to be on the show. Thank and you so much. For me you too. great questions. Oh, thank you. And I, I hope I, you'll I hope come back on. Again in the future. I, I would love that. I will be in touch. I would love to, to, to set aside more time and, and, and get more into it. Thank you so much. Vincent Bugliosi. Okay, thank you, Nicole. Take okay, care. Bye-bye.
Yeah, the the film, and again, I said I watched the whole thing last night. You know, boy, you could tell he's a prosecutor because he caught me on it. I, I watched all but the last perhaps, oh, Five minutes? No, ten minutes. I, I, it's a, it's an hour and forty-four minutes, and I got to like one thirty-five, and and I'll tell you, it so freaked me out, and it was late, and I was tired, and so he got me on very last ten minutes, but uh, it, it's so worth watching. Again, it will piss you off, but it's history. It's ne- before they whitewash it, you know, uh, from all the books. I believe that was the last time I spoke with Vincent Bugliosi. I was fortunate enough to be able to interview him a number of times over the years. That interview took place on October 17, 2014. Vincent Bugliosi died of cancer June 6, 2015. But boy, did he leave behind a legacy. And I was honored to have enjoyed speaking with him a number of times. I hope you appreciate that interview. All right, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we're going to share a couple of different segments. One, it might have been the first time I ever guest hosted Tom Hartman's show. I'm not positive it was the first time, but it was one time that I guest hosted for Tom Hartman. He joins in as a guest. And then, just calling in as a regular caller, Jesse Jackson the one and only time I ever spoke with the Reverend Jesse Jackson. So we'll share that. And then a segment that moved me a lot with the father of one of the victims of the Parkland Marjory Stoneman Douglas High School mass shooting that happened five years ago here, right where I live. So come on back tomorrow. I wouldn't say tomorrow's going to be fun, but I promise some interesting listening. And please don't forget, this program is listener-supported. If you enjoy what you hear, feel free to share it with everybody you know. There's no paywall, but we can certainly use your financial support. Just go to NicoleSandler.com and click on the Donate tab. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.